Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Great to have Jeremy Peterson on with us here at 406. He's from the Erie Metropolitan Transit Authority. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Joel, anytime. Appreciate the invite. All righty. So we want to get a little baseline here again. You you know, you've been in the press recently. People are concerned, you know, about our fixed, uh, you know, fixed uh, route bus services as well as our paratransit. Where are we at 14 months into the pandemic? Well, that's a, a very interesting question, Joel. Uh, you know, when we entered this pandemic, our ridership was uh, nearly cut by 90 percent. Uh, when that when that occurred, uh, we had to make some drastic quick changes, which this agency, as well as many others and all of uh, agencies across uh, the entire world had to uh, endure, was to make decisions on laying people off, uh, abbreviating routes, right sizing uh, where we had to as far as fixed routes. And then obviously, when you right size that that uh, component of the lift uh, was reduced as well. So. Uh, they saw about an 85 reduction in uh, 85% reduction in ridership on the lift side and our fixed route where we're uh, darn near uh, 90%. So uh, we closed up Saturday, Sunday. We we ran some abbreviated service throughout the week. And, and I'm proud to say now, 14 months later, uh, our ridership is starting to rebound. It's going in the right direction. Uh, and, and with the City of Erie School District going back, uh, to school, that was good news for us because obviously we uh, we do have a relationship with the city of Erie School District, uh, and our ridership levels uh, just steadily increase. So uh, we we look at we we look at our ridership daily, and then we look at it uh, from a month per, uh, month perspective too. And it looks like within the last two months, our our ridership has steadily increased. Uh, but once again, we're still right around the 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 fifty five percent reduction. Uh, 45 to 55% reduction in, in ridership. It's alarming to me that you said that the lift took a hit, but then it makes sense because if you're not going to doctor's appointments because of telehealth, that yeah. that eliminates that lift ride, doesn't it? Well, you you have the telehealth uh, issue, but you, you got to look at our, our demographic, especially on the lift division is it's it's heavily senior. Okay. So, uh, you know, doctors were telling not, not just us, but more uh, so seniors, uh, in Erie County to stay home, yeah. right? Stay home. Don't go outside. You're more susceptible to this uh, uh, COVID and, and the pandemic, so on and so forth. Um, and and then, you know, once again, I mean, but there was folks that needed to go out for dialysis and those life-sustaining, um, you know, treatments that they needed. And they those were the folks that were taking the lift, uh, ones that were very, very heavily transit dependent and uh, not the ones, like you said, we're still trying to get seniors back on our lift buses and they're slowly coming back. So sure. uh, we, we could see just through a ridership where we're at uh, as a society with the pandemic, you know, uh, we've heard a coin now as, as a more of an endemic than a pandemic. So, uh, you know, we, we could see, like I said, our ridership on both divisions uh, increasing, uh, which is good. And as we see the increase in ridership, we're opening up our routes a little more and more. Uh, we're closed on Sundays still, um, but, once again, we're, we're keeping our, our, our eyes uh, peeled and our ear to the wall as far as any businesses or districts opening later, so on and so forth. As these restrictions uh, lighten, uh, our, our service will expand. I'm, I'm interested in um, 
you know, where the legislation has made an impact. And so mm-hmm. I know, I, I guess I'm wondering, has any money flowed through the state to EMTA or has it been direct federal funds? And what were they? Yeah. So uh, back in uh, last April, we were awarded uh, about $12 million worth of CARES Act funds. Uh, and then just recently with the ARP uh, funds, we were awarded about $11.6 million. That that's great. It helps us. It helps us fill deficits and holes that we've incurred over the last 14 months. Uh, helps with our payroll. But but the 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 budget for the state is sort of flatlined for 2022 fiscal year 22. So those those monies will help offset that issue as well. Um, the the only issue that you have with that money, anytime you get any type of money, it's great, right? But there there's strings attached to this money. We can't use any of this for for capital improvements, so on and so forth. And it can only be used for operational, okay? So we can't we can't take a bunch of money uh, out of the ARP or CARES Act funds to offset any local match deficits, let's say. You know, we still have to get those monies, which, you know, is, is sort of tricky. Um, you know, the school district got a lot of money. Um, it's gonna be tricky for them to spend all that money. Um, you know, especially when it doesn't, you can't use it for capital improvements, you know, which which a school district so, so desperately needs. Uh, but the same thing here. We, you know, Winston Churchill uh, had a good phrase, and it was never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah. You know, he mentioned that when he was in a meeting with uh, Stalin and Roosevelt, uh, which first brought up the formation of the United Nations. You know what I mean? And and was that's that Malta. Still- was that Malta? Yeah. So, <laughs> so in any event, we're we're sort of like uh, following that same motto here. Um, like, hey, okay, it's we're in crisis mode. Okay, maybe it gives us a chance to right size uh, and, a, and make make our routes appropriate to what transit needs now. You know, with business districts shifting and going out of business and moving out of town. Sometimes we've had, to, in some cases, we've had the same routes uh, on the same roads and the same old business districts that don't exist anymore for forty years. Wow. You know, so this this may give us that opportunity to look at, and it has given us the opportunity to look at those routes. Um, and and determine whether or not you know they still need to to be in existence. And then you know other things that we're we're trying to look at too is uh, you know micro transit mm-hmm. uh, things that will save the taxpayer money uh, in the state and our subsidiaries uh, to uh, modernize transit. That's been my mission ever since I was put in this position. Uh, whether we get new radios, new fare boxes on buses, new CNG buses, EMTA. Uh, just uh, made the, the historic purchase of 17 new uh, compressed natural gas buses. That's the largest purchase of buses in, in our history here. So um, we're also, we, we had an electric bus demo uh, here uh, two weeks ago by Gilly, the manufacturer. It's all American made. All of our buses are American made, which is even better. Um, so yeah, this, this, this you know, we're, we're not going to let this crisis go to waste here. We're going to we're going to try to use it to improve and modernize transit as it is uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Not not to go too much into the weeds, Jeremy, but when, when you say that the, some of these routes have been 40 years and, and going, um, where has where has the the destination shifted? Is it is it? Is it a hub and spoke kind of thing where a lot of people want to go to the mall still, or is it I'm going to jump on and I'm going somewhere along that line? Uh, like, where are people going these days? Yeah, so I mean, let's take an example. Let's go. Let's let's back it up and 
you know, when GE was thriving, you know, 20 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, we had we had our own bus routes within the, the campus of GE. And then on the outskirts in the of, of GE, or, uh, you know, we had another 10 routes, you know, and, and once again, I mean, it was thriving over there in Lawrence Park. And we were we were transporting people by by the bus loads almost every trip throughout the day. Um, now with, you know, once again, the, 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 like I said, the business demographics and the shifts and so on and so forth, you don't see that as much. But once again, we still have the same routes, not as many, obviously, but but are still servicing around around WAPTEC. Um, so obviously there's been a reduction of how much service is out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once again, there, there are still routes that service areas that are no longer needed to be serviced well, well and um, it begs the question does does the is the old ge focus better served by a west county plastics manufacturers focus from so from the center city out to the west county kind of thing right so we've done that too right joel so we go as far east as is uh port erie uh plastics and then as far west as lake city yeah uh or for uh jobs in and uh, we run uh, to a route 260 and a route 261, but that both service the business districts and agencies east and also West County. Uh, but once again, you know, we're going out and saying, hey, look at Gerard. Look, I mean, look at the system we created in Cory, in the city of Cory, right? How do we make that better? We, we established that in 2016. Even to this day in 2021, we're still making it a better, uh, you know, we're making enhancements to that route. You know, hey, guess what? Maybe just people in Corey just don't need to get around Corey. Maybe there's people from Corey that need to get to Erie to work. Right. Maybe there's people in Erie that need to go to Corey to work. Maybe people in Erie have doctors in Corey. So on and so forth. So we made those, you know, um, um, you know, we made those uh, the the schedule to adhere to those needs. And now we have those uh, buses going from Erie to Corey and vice versa. We're noticing that their ridership in Corey is quadrupled. Wow! And 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 it continues to increase even even during the pandemic. Um, so obviously we know that that route's working. You know the Route Three, our Route Three that services Peach Street, Mill Creek, Summit. You know that's still a very busy, heavily populated route for us. Uh, really, no crazy need for change on that route. Um, but once again, I mean there there are some routes that need smaller buses. Um, there's routes that we could maybe incorporate micro transit, which is a, uh, a, a modernization of, of transit. What is the definition of micro transit? What, when you so, say that, so basically, um, micro transit, let's say you, you take a, you know, it's almost like an Uber, um, sort of idea. Right. Um, and what we do is we put, you know, a couple micro transit vehicles, which are, you know, not buses, but vehicles, vans. Uh, for example, and what we would do is pick up people in not so heavy, heavily dense uh, uh, populated areas that that ride transit. What we could do is we could we could pick them up in like a van and get them to either the nearest bus stop or their destination, whichever is closer, you know, and that eliminates a big bus going out there, expending mileage and driver's wages and, and uh, you know, gasoline and so on and so forth. So. Um, that's a way to sort of modernize transit. Um, you know, instead of just driving buses around all day long, maybe yeah. we take a look, we write. So this is, we're going to right size. So is it kind of almost like a bridge to Uber? 
it's it's not so much like a bridge to Uber. It's something that transit should have picked up. And even when I started in this field 10 years ago, yeah, I'm like, why wouldn't we do something like that? You know, Absolutely. and then and then here comes Uber. Uber's in and and they're driving people around. And the 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 only issue, and I'm not putting any businesses down, but you know, for for us, our drivers need to be drug tested, they need to be fit for duty. Uh, so on and so forth. And if somebody's in a mobility device, it's very important yeah. that somebody's trained on how to restrain and secure that person. So do you, that, ever, that's the- do you feel that EMTA would ever get in the role of organizing um, like a like van sharing? You know, I see some of these in in some other places uh, uh, where, you know, there's just a bunch of people going to one specific uh, you know, manufacturer once one specific area, e- even the people that let's say want to work in Painesville, you know, or mm-hmm. work in Menor, you know, where where there's a lot of jobs in in uh, East Cleveland, you know, yeah. of of like, uh, would that be? I, I'm I'm just kind of throwing ideas. I just didn't know, you know, what where where does like a Metropolitan Transit Authority stop? I guess. So we we can only go as far as our county is. Okay. Anytime we. Um, we, we, if we go anywhere, uh, let's say we go to Crawford County, Crawford County has their own, uh, you know, transit you know, authority. Makes so sense. obviously they don't want us, you know, poking our head in there and, right. you know, uh, doing some of their work and taking their ridership. Away You're not going to send our people to channel lock, for example, or something like that. Right now, now, sometimes now if we have somebody in Erie who's a lift, um, you know, rider who needs to get out there, then we can make that happen. Um, and sometimes you'll see Crawford County in Erie. And, and those are some of the reasons why they are uh, where they are. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I see us going and modernizing and doing maybe a van pool type of service. But once again, this is this is all being looked at uh, right now and studied. So in the last two and a half to three years that our administration, my administration has been here, we have really moved this company. We've done a uh, a huge 180 here. I mean, if you look at, you know, the economic development of the mid city of downtown yeah. and, and, and what we've done as far as try to be a driver of, you know, success in Erie, you know, that's what we want to do. We also want to use these funds if we can to maybe even in our strategic plan to, to reduce our carbon footprint. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, electric buses, electric vehicles, uh, these are things that are going to be explored for the very near future. And, uh, you know, what can we do uh, in Erie County, not just as a transit authority, to help move Erie County along and further? I've noticed that uh, one of the things that I was always concerned about the old W, uh, the old EMTA is customer service. The idea that, you know, you would call, you, you were trying to get like a handle on, you know, your bus or whatever. And, you know, the, the, the phone pickup wasn't always the greatest or whatever. I'm no. talking 10 years ago, right? So no. um, uh, is that that's obviously a huge thing for you is, is how we're treating the riders. The way we're treating the riders, our appearance, how clean our buses are. You know, we've been going through this pandemic, Joel, as the model agency, transit agency in Pennsylvania, for how proactive we've been and the measures we've taken to keep our buses clean and how we've taken care of our employees and customers alike. So that, that was a huge pat on the back for us. Uh, but we, we have always been proactive. This is, you know, we were had, you know, we put a third shift cleaning and utility um, department in four months before the pandemic was even known. Wow. So wow. when this happened, it was like, oh, thank God we did that because now we'd have to sort of hurry up and, 
and and get a, a crew together. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been very exciting. The appearance, customer service is huge. Uh, folks have you know called here, and and I didn't like the customer service that we were providing. Uh, what we did very shortly after I was put in this position, uh, what I've done was we created a customer service uh, department, and we have three customer service representatives that are trying to answer the phone. And most of 90% of those calls are ride line questions. Hey, where do I pick up? Where do I get dropped off? You know, what time is, you know, what, what time do I need to catch the route three or route 24, route 27? Uh, hey, are you guys open today? You know, questions like that. But it's a public service. They deserve, these folks deserve an answer. They deserve a pickup or hello, you know, uh, before, uh, you know, it, it was what it was. And we needed to desperately change that. And I think we have. And that's that's part of the, you know, we, we, we took down the blind black curtain here and we're more transparent as a company and we're worried about our customers, yeah. not just yeah. ourselves within the walls of BMTA. So that that's huge. And, you know, we eliminated duplicity amongst the administration and the staff. Uh, you know, it's, the, you know, there's not a lot of micromanaging going on here. People that were put in their departments were put there for a reason and they're doing a very, very good job of doing so. And I think our actions uh, speak uh, volumes. Jeremy Peterson is our guest from EMTA. I want to pivot, Jeremy, in the time that we have left, which is getting uh, going away quickly here, insofar as to talk about uh, the President's Biden, President Biden's focus on transit, on infrastructure. What are you hearing and how do you think it pertains to what you're trying to do and some of your aspirations at the authority? Yeah, so uh, we do know that President Biden is a huge transportation supporter. Uh, the director or you know, transportation, I mean, like Peter Buttigieg. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, he comes out of South Bend, Indiana and uh, now he's our transportation coordinator here. So, right. So I've started to get letters and everything, um, uh, through him and emails and, and he's a big, uh, transit dependent and, and pro mass transit, uh, folks, uh, or a person in, 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 in Washington. So that is very good for us, given the fact that some of the plans and the monies, we don't know exactly what we're going to get as far as infrastructure, but it'll help us out. It'll, it'll help provide, um, ideas such as bike share. You know, once again, we, we've been talking about modernizations of transit, right? Uh, you know, bike share, uh, electric, uh, charging stations in our parking ramp. Uh, maybe we can go ahead and help the folks that that willfully give us local match contributions uh, to the right amounts is what they to what they owe us. Uh, maybe we owe them, uh, you know, with the monies we get, maybe some street uh, streetscaping. Uh, we want to be a good partner. And, and uh, we want to be a good neighbor. We want to be an ally with the city and the county. We don't want to be an enemy. Uh, I think we've, we've done that long enough. And I think we, uh, this, this is how you gain ridership. This is how you gain, um, uh, this is the momentum as a transit authority is to, you know, now that we have our own house in order and we have folks from the federal level and the federal government that support public transportation, uh, these are ideas that can actually come to fruition. Um, and help out struggling authorities like ourselves because we never we never thought ahead. We were never proactive. We were very reactive. And like I said, we had a, a black uh, curtain over the walls of EMTA and we didn't let anybody in. We didn't tell anybody what was going on inside the wall. So that's completely different now. And if you if you go across 14th Street, um, you know, between parade and French, 
east and west, you'll notice a huge transformation uh, with what Griffith, um, you know, with, with what Griffith done, has done, Rick Griffith has done with uh, Bubble Place, Matthew Gooden Hands, and the parcels of land that he, he bought up for lower income housing. I mean, this, this you can walk down here at night. It's so well lit yeah. and welcoming, you know. So, but that that's sort of what we could do with these monies when they come in. We can continue to modernize transit, electric, solar paneling, uh, you know, electric charging stations and parking ramps, uh, bike share, and, and the list goes on and on. And like I said, even some version of streetscaping for for the the folks or our local match contributors that, that like I said, they put in their fair share yeah. uh, of local match dollars to to EMTA. It's huge. So we want to give back to the community. Last 30 seconds, uh, any bites on your big retail space there uh, uh, on uh, French Street? Uh, yeah, we do have we do have a couple interested tenants at this point. Uh, we had four very interested tenants uh, and letters of intent that were sent out pre-pandemic. And then unfortunately that hit uh, and we had to deal with that. There was sort of a small, small business owners. And unfortunately, all the small business owners here weren't able to branch out as they once wanted to. They had to keep their own businesses afloat uh, where they were currently were and located. Uh, but it, it's, so, yeah, it's we, totally configured for grocery store, right? For So what we have is about, uh, Joel, 18,000 square feet. And yes, we wanted to solve the food desert issue in our community right here. Yeah, uh, There's a lot of processed food plants here uh, within the footprint of the EMTA. But we wanted to bring we want to bring something that's a little more healthy for our people and affordable, number one. And then also number two, something that may be, um, you know, may fit the entertainment district as well as a partner. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, John Bookton from Downtown Partnership and I have had many discussions about uh, what we what we would like to put here and what we would like to see. It's just, uh, you know, promoting it and trying to get the right person here. This, you know, pandemic has really, uh, you know, put a put a damper on on some of the original ideas of what we wanted over there. We had a butcher a brochure, we had restaurants, we had everybody ready to go. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, COVID, COVID struck. Well, hopefully we could snap back with all of that. So to be determined, we, 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 this is a, this is an organization with a, with a bright future. And uh, I love the app. I love the modernization and, and the, the improved customer service. There's no doubt about it. You're making a huge impact, Jeremy Peterson. We really appreciate it. Well, the fact, the fact, Joel, that now you can, your bus pass can be on your phone uh, via the token transit app is, you know, that's a modernization that has happened here in an improvement EMTA. You never would have thought of ever happened. Oh my. I can uh, tell so. you stories. I can tell you I'm stories. Sure. <laughs> Thank <laughs> we'll you get so, together. so We will. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you taking the time. Anytime, Joel. Thank you. To find out more about where transportation and the railroads are at, is the executive director for All Aboard Erie, Brian Pitzer. Hey, Brian. Good to talk to you, sir. Uh, always, my, uh, always uh, Joel. Uh, uh, good afternoon, and uh, it, it's a it's a, a great day to to be in Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay, it sure is. All right, so um, we, it's been a while since we had a chat. In fact, I think the last time we talked, uh, we were talking more about solar panels. And how are those going? Have you been saving some bucks that way? Oh, it, you know, every day we, we and when the sun's out, we're saying, "Oh, this is a great solar day," <laughs> and we we look at our our meters and watch the meters turn. It's 
<laughs> right. The, the <laughs> meters go. The meters go the other way, right? As you as you're selling That's back, right. uh, yeah. back to the yeah. grid here. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the the next shoe to drop is to get a Tesla. <laughs> oh yeah yeah and or the new uh, volkswagen uh bus which is supposed to come out in oh, 2022. okay okay i like oh, that I like yeah it. beautiful all right so let, let's let's talk uh, where where are things at with all about uh, all aboard erie uh there at one point and it wasn't that long ago uh, i want to say 2018 there was some real movement with high speed where's that at these days well, there's um, what's going on now is uh, since President Biden's been elected, he's he and Transportation Secretary uh, Pete Buttigieg have been pushing the expansion of Amtrak rail service. And they've also been talking about expansion of high speed rail service, and the, which are uh, uh, two different things. But let's start with, with the good news with, with Amtrak. Um, We've been in communication with Amtrak, and we've been hearing that they are planning to expand the number of trains that go through Erie, uh, either by doubling or tripling. We're not sure yet. The details haven't been been, uh, released. But uh, what that means is right now, Erie has, um, well, will have uh, soon uh, full service again. And uh, that means two trains a day, one in each direction between Chicago and New York, both of which now go through in, in the middle of the night, one at 30, one at 1.30 a.m., the other around 7-something in the morning. But what we're hearing is that they are going to add at least one more train in each direction um, uh, on this route through Erie. So that will double, double the number of trains through town, and there's a possibility there, uh, there could be more. And those trains will uh, most likely make local stops in places like Ashtabula, Ohio, Oh. And perhaps Dunkirk, Dunkirk, New York, which haven't been served by Amtrak. Uh, in, you know, I'm not sure if they've ever been served by Amtrak, but um, that's going to be big news for those communities and, and certainly very good news for, uh, for Erie residents because one of the things that uh, trains bring to a community is, is mobility options. Uh, here in the United States and in Pennsylvania, basically, if you want to get someplace, you have to take a car. And uh, one of the things we've been talking about all along is this is another option, another way of um, getting around in in our country. You know, Amtrak is celebrating their 50th anniversary, and it it is it's still interesting that other than the Acela, um, you know, the the corridor, right, the Boston to Washington corridor, it really is more the Northeast corridor. It really is kind of a uh, kind of a, a. you know, I don't know. It's a, it's it's something that you do in in, in as an alternative to riding a plane. It's like a, um, you know, it's a, like it's almost like a, an adventure in and of itself. But it it doesn't have that like that utility approach like it used to have. Why after fifty years you would think that they would have figured that part out? Why why don't you think they have? Well, it has a lot. It has a lot to do with the way trains are funded in this country. Um, the uh, the only inner city passenger trains are through Amtrak, and Amtrak is funded by Congress. And uh, uh, Congress has been reluctant uh, to to do more than the, uh, the minimal mm. in terms of, of funding trains. It's like, yeah, we'll keep those trains going that we have, but don't ask for any more money than that. Uh, but we've got a new president in town, 
and he he has a, he's a, he's called Amtrak Joe for a reason, and that's because he's he's spent thousands of hours commuting uh, on a day, daily basis between his home in Delaware and Washington D.C. And so he sees the value of trains. He understands what what they mean to a community and what they mean to uh, transportation. And the uh, what we've seen along the Northeast Corridor is that is the only established relatively high-speed rail corridor in the United States. Even that isn't true high-speed. Um, but it, it it takes it takes money to to fund improvements, and that's and that's why in this country it's. Um, you know, we have we've put all our money in the interstate highway system, right? And and, uh, and that's why we haven't funded uh, funded both. It, it, it's interesting because when you think about where we were as a country with uh, rail, uh, not necessarily fifty years ago, but seventy years ago or eighty years ago, yes. it was the yes. dominant way to go inner city. And, but yes. thinking about it, that most most of those trips. We're we're short like we're shorter runs like what you're talking about. Hey, I'm in Buffalo. I need to go to Dunkirk this today, and so you could go to Dunkirk on the Lakeshore route. Uh, you probably could have taken a trolley at some point, right? And then, you know, right. and the same thing from Erie, like Erie to Pittsburgh. Uh, I mean, we don't. I don't want to get too bogged down because that's that's a tough rod route. But in Erie to Cleveland, honestly, we were we were. T- I was just talking to Jeremy Peterson and the idea of the number of jobs that are in East Cleveland, like in a Painesville or Menor, could be totally yeah. served by a commuter train or a commuter approach to to a train from from Erie, and you know they would be able to expand their. Their base uh, of employees, if there if there was a reliable train at seven thirty in the morning that went to Painesville or went to Menor and then came back, you know, at four thirty yeah. or five yeah. o'clock, your thoughts? I mean, is that where we're going? Do you think, or kind of like well, making that, these big metropolitan metroplexes? Well, here's here's the approach I think the Biden administration is taking. The most important thing about train travel is not high speed. That's nice. Yeah. But the most important thing is frequency if, and reliability. If you know you have a train leaving Erie at 7 a.m. and it's going to get to Cleveland at 8 a.m. Or, or Dunkirk or Painesville or wherever, you can, you can begin to plan your life around it. You can begin to plan, okay, I'm going to live in Erie and commute every day on that train. And uh, – uh, when you have that, uh, you, then you can then your life life can change uh, all around that, and and that's that's the big difference. And so, what the the uh, goal of the Biden administration, I believe, is to uh, get 80% of the um, American population within uh, 20 miles of, of uh, uh, inner city passenger rail, and that, that's a that's a, a major undertaking, but it, it is doable. It's just it's a matter of will and a matter of, of willing to uh, plan and spend the money for for things like that. That's that's amazing. That's amazing when you think about that. That uh, you know you be tw- you're saying twenty minutes away from a train, basically. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I so, know. I, I mean, you think? He... Go ahead. I was going to say I notice on on the map that they're showing that um, uh, you've got uh, some new service. Or a restoration of, of really old service, like a Scranton to New York City or Allentown to New York. Um, again, 
you know, additional service from Erie to Cleveland to Buffalo and then on to Toledo and Chicago and so on. Um, it, I mean, you really, you really could, uh, you really could expand if, if it was reliable. And isn't another part that, that we're dealing with is uh, the cooperation level of, uh, 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 you know, the Conrail and, and the other um, railroads, the, the freight railroads that are using the same tracks? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because we, uh, for the most part, Amtrak uses existing freight lines, uh, CSX, Norfolk Southern. Right. Um, those are, you have to, you have to deal with them. And they are reluctant because they're freight railroads, profit-making freight railroads. They are reluctant to share their tracks with these, <laughs> mm. if you will, freeloaders. But they're not freeloaders; they right. get paid for those uh, those trains. Um, but you know, we you know we understand that uh, they they have their concerns too. So um, that's why we need to develop a system uh, of cooperation. Of, of having separate tracks where it's, it's feasible and practical uh, and cooperating where, where it isn't. Uh, so uh, there, there is a lot, of, a lot involved in, in pulling this, uh, putting this all together. It'd be interesting to see, uh, again, our, our line, you know, that, that uh, Chicago to New York line is a storied line. It's the old 20th century limited, you know, New York Central yeah. uh uh, you know, featured in North by Northwest. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, you think about it. It's you know, Hollywood recognized uh, the train that goes through Union Station in Erie. Um, but uh, it, it, it's it's like, you know, where where is the wind going to be? Like, it, it, you know, where where do people need to go, and what's going to get them there at a decent time? And and. Uh, you know the, the 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 question right now is uh, that Erie, you know, that Erie to Cleveland, Erie to Buffalo, or Erie to Chicago, Erie to New York or Boston, um, that could be handled by a train. the The only other part of this is um, is just the length of time that it takes, right? Because we're still talking, you know, nine hours or or what have you for a, a train to New York. Uh, it, are you hearing anything about that getting uh, becoming a better scenario? Um, not not yet, but that, I'm I'm sure that's part of it because we they always want to improve service, they always want to improve reliability. Um, the uh, uh, the goal of Amtrak is is to get people to to places on time as uh, efficiently and conveniently as, as possible. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with uh, freight railroads and, and outside of Chicago, unfortunately, there's a, there's a bottleneck where a lot of railroads come together just, uh, just east of Chicago. And, and so they have to, you have to spend money uh, yeah. to, uh, to work those, those kinds of fiscal bottlenecks out, and, 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 and that's part of the problem. But uh, I, I want to point out a couple of things here, as, as we said. Uh, people are willing to put with, with a little longer travel time if they know that they can get a train uh, that leaves at a convenient time and arrives at a convenient time, and uh, they don't have to drive. You know, in, in the middle of winter, you don't have to deal with the whiteouts or uh, you know road rage or uh, or all, uh, the, the security lines. I mean, you you think about the security lines you have to deal with at the airport, getting at the airport two hours in advance, and. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're not going to have any security, but it won't be anywhere nearly as onerous as it is now, right? 
that's that's absolutely true absolutely true um and the um uh you know the the convenience of going from downtown let's say uh washington dc to downtown new york city uh makes uh flights obsolete because you you can't you you just can't compete with that you know downtown to downtown nonstop kind of thing in europe short term uh, short distance flights are almost completely uh, gone because they cannot compete with the high speed rail systems that that europe has developed in france and spain and germany and uh, country after country in Europe. Um, and we, we can have the same thing here if we're willing to do it. Yeah. So what what is in the infrastructure plan that you know of? I mean, he, he's putting his money where his mouth is, I would imagine. Well, uh, we haven't seen the full details of it, okay. but we, we know that they, they want to uh, restore the routes that are currently cut back because of COVID. Uh, and by the way, that'll happen here in Erie the first, uh, the last week of May, last week of this month. Amtrak has said they are going to resume resume full time service uh, between your, uh, between uh, Chicago and New York on the uh, Lakeshore Limited, mm-hmm. and and then uh, they're going to look at adding. Uh, first step is adding more trains on existing track, uh, and so that's that's where it starts. And we believe uh, that once more people experience taking a train um, that uh, it, it'll that experience will far surpass the experience of being crammed into a, 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 a tiny compartment on an airplane yeah 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 and and, and again uh, like you say the it's got to go from nostalgia and you know it's just something different to real utility like like they're experiencing in the northeast corridor basically are we exactly. seeing are we seeing that happen you know there's that high speed rail or or it's been in development in south florida you were telling me about that down in florida what's going on there i mean is that any example that we can take on the lakeshore there's there's uh, three examples i can give you across the country of and uh, different stages of development um, the bright line in Florida uh, is a uh, is up to I believe 110 miles per hour is is their uh, their top speed. But they are in operation right now uh, from Miami North up to the I believe it's the Fort Lauderdale area. Okay, uh, it's called Bright Line, and they are expanding. Um, it's it's a success. And yeah, are they seeing? They, are they hitting their? Uh, um... Their boarding numbers that, that they were shooting for, probably pre-COVID, mind you, but I want... uh, yeah, <laughs> I I don't know the statistics on okay, that. Okay, gotcha. Um, but they, you know, the fact that they're expanding tells me that they're doing quite well. Gotcha. And uh, the, they're a for-profit company, and the hmm. way they're able to do it, they already own the tracks, and they uh, are making their money through the real estate. Uh, and that's one of the magical things about trains. If you build a, a passenger service in a city, uh, people will come. Build it, and they will come. Hmm. And and so what uh, uh, Brightline is doing in, in Florida is they are building a big station in Miami, um, investing hundreds of millions of dollars in those stations, and they're going to make the money back uh, uh, from the real estate investment. Um, and so – you know, it would be nice uh, if we could convince uh, the uh, the freight railroads that it would be to their benefit to uh, uh, restore passenger service. Now, I'm not sure how that would work, but uh, if if Brightline is a model, then perhaps there's there are ways of doing that. And I also want to mention Texas is building a true high-speed rail system. That's still in the planning stages, 
And California is already building a, and physically constructing a um, uh, true high-speed rail system. It's run into problems because of the unexpected uh, cost of, of acquisition of new land. Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's very expensive, especially in California, uh, to, to uh, buy a, build an entirely new right-of-way. And that's unfortunately right. what they've had to do. Is, so, is Texas uh, uh, what, like a, a Dallas to Houston deal? Or, or? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that, that should be a perfect uh, distance because sure. it's uh, too far to drive, but it, it's uh, short enough that it can compete with, with air travel. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it's going to do. Uh, I think that's going to be an amazing success in Texas. Yeah, and again, we can see that, again, Erie gets to kind of hang on with the larger cities, but the the thought of a of a, a Boston or a New York to Chicago line, you, you know, uh, when you think about the saturation point that those New York airports are at and that the Chicago airport is at, you know, this makes more sense than anything if we could figure out a way to, to make it uh, – you know that much more reliable, and not just you know a, you know one train one way, one train the other way each day. And you think about it, that's the same thing for Chicago and for New York that we're experiencing, right? So wow, that, exactly, exactly. And the one thing we haven't talked about yet is yeah. the environmental impact of trains. Mm. Um, they are much cleaner, much more efficient than practically any other form of uh, surface transportation. Um, and that's that's going to be a, a big selling factor uh, as we try to solve the uh, uh, the uh, changing climate mm-hmm. uh, in our in our country. And that's and transportation contributes more uh, to carbon uh, uh, excuse me um, greenhouse gases than any any other economic sector. So the, the the best way to tackle greenhouse gases in the United States is to uh, look at what can be done in transportation. And when you look at transportation, you have to look at trains. And and, and I got to I got to think that the, the the emerging generations, the Gen Zers, and so on, who you know have not necessarily wanted to run out and buy a car. You know, cars uh, right now are you know it's 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 hard to find them and and so on. So they they've been more geared towards both mass transit locally, and maybe they will uh, gravitate more to. Uh, you know, reliable train service. You know, it's the whole thing of everything old is new again, right, Brian Pitzer? <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that millennials, uh, yeah. for example, uh, would prefer to take a train than own a car. And by the way, uh, I just looked this up uh, the, other, uh, the other day. The, uh, the uh, Department of Labor Statistics estimates that the average cost of uh, owning and maintaining a car um, every year, you want to guess? Do you want? To put, I'll put you on the spot, Joel. You want to guess what I, that, that I, price I'm, might be? Yeah. Owning and maintaining, we're probably talking about seven thousand a year, right? Nine thousand five hundred dollars. Oh, well, yeah, that's a significant, uh, significant purchase for sure. Hey, I'm running so out of time. Know, Go ahead, finish yeah. your thought. Yeah. Well, no, no, and that's why millennials and others yeah. are, are are looking at uh, trains, and that's yeah. why it makes sense to. Uh, to have an alternative to uh, your automobile, and again, to 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 remember, uh, if we we have our we have our twenty two minute commute here in Erie, but if you you put yourself in a um, uh, in in a you know any location, I'm Bloomfield, New Jersey, or something like that, 
your your approach to commuting is a hundred percent different. And that's where we're seeing whether it's New Jersey Transit or Metro North or Amtrak, it all comes together here, and that's why those succeed. Brian Pitzer, all aboard Erie. Keep keep the uh, the the light alive here for uh, high speed and in <laughs> in other rail travel. We really appreciate it. Uh, Joel, thank you so much. Really appreciate your your interest and your enthusiasm as well. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.